I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10.3, Post Media's Canadian Current Affairs podcast. This week, Canadian Monica Schaefer is on trial in Germany for denying the Holocaust. She's been in jail for six months after being arrested for her alleged crimes. We look at her history of Holocaust denial and why a case like this matters in 2018. It's Thursday, July 19th. Paula Simons is a columnist for the Edmonton Journal. So, Paula, who is Monica Schaefer? Well, Monica Schaefer was for many years a warden in Jasper National Park. She was for many years a candidate for the Green Party. She attended the Green Party's founding convention and ran for them three times uh, in the Yellowhead riding just outside of Edmonton. It sort of stretches all the way from suburban Edmonton to Jasper. And she's an accomplished violinist, a music teacher, and she played in many local music festivals, uh, studied music uh, internationally so she isn't just somebody who picked up a fiddle and likes to saw back and forth on it and she was for many years a very respected member of the jasper community really involved with environmental and naturalist groups and really involved in the cultural scene Mm -hmm. and then a few years ago something happened to monica schaefer and she became obsessed with holocaust denial and her friends of hers have told me that this came on very gradually that it was as though she had joined a cult one hmm. of them said it was as though the person that they had known and loved had died and been replaced by somebody else yeah so so how do we go from this park warden this green party candidate to a woman who is on the internet promoting holocaust denial um, and basically saying that none of this happened. Well, according to Schaefer's friends, what seems to have happened is that she came very much under the sway of her older brother. He is German-born, a Canadian citizen, but returned to Germany, lives in a small community outside of Munich called Tutzing, and has become quite an outspoken leader in the regional neo-Nazi movement. He's a Holocaust denier, and he seems to have hooked her in with a whole community, a whole international online community of people who make it their life's mission uh, to spread anti-Semitic hate. And a couple of years ago, he convinced her to shoot a video in Mm -hmm. which she basically apologizes to her parents for ever having blamed them for, for not doing enough to stop the Holocaust and says now she can forgive her parents because now she knows the Holocaust never happened. Wow. It is only since the last couple of years, since about 2014, that I have begun to understand that this is the biggest and most pernicious and persistent lie in all of history. Everything has been turned upside down on its head. Now in 2016, when this video went online, I I know that the Green Party had to cut all ties with her, but it didn't really cause her any further trouble in Canada. It's not a crime what she did in Canada. Well, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, it certainly caused a lot of trouble for the Green Party because stories (laughs) stories about her views had been circulating well before those videos went online. Yeah. And it wasn't until that YouTube video appeared that the Green Party finally summoned the gumption to cut ties with her. Uh, It doesn't reflect very well on the Green Party, I have to say. Mm Mm-hmm. In Canada, our hate laws are very narrow, and you have to be convicted of explicitly inciting hate against a particular identifiable group. Mm -hmm. Her video, while distasteful, and it verges on sort of more explicit anti-Semitism at the end, it certainly isn't 
among the most hateful things I've seen online. Yeah. It's disturbing. And it's disturbing in part because she's wrestling with her own deep-seated sense of guilt that her family, her culture was somehow complicit in the Holocaust. Uh, but it's a remarkably self-serving and uh, a saccharine video in which she plays like music from Don Messer on her violin and then compares herself as a German Canadian schoolgirl going to school in her little dirndl and being teased by the other kids and she compares herself to First Nations kids who were put in residential schools and had wow. their cultures taken away from them. So it's really mawkish and full of self-pity. Mm -hmm. uh, is it hate? I don't think it would fall under the hate provisions of Canada's criminal code. But in Germany, the rules are very different. So what is it that leads her to Germany where she's arrested? Well, I, I don't know precisely why she went to Germany at the moment that she did. Presumably, she went to visit her brother, mm -hmm. uh, at least to be with him. Uh, and it was her brother, as you mentioned, who very much encouraged her to make this video and is sort of the producer of it. Uh, but when she arrived in Germany, there were people in Jasper who tipped off the German authorities and told them that she was coming. And she'd done this video, not just in English, but she'd also done a German language version. So even though the videos were not made in Germany, once she was in Germany, uh, she fell under Germany's far stricter uh, hate speech provisions, which, you know, Germany has a very different history than Canada does. And it's hugely important to the German people to stamp out any little sparks of neo-Nazism when they flare up. I found it quite fascinating because I went to the Süddeutsche Zeitung, which is the sort of the, the paper of record for the Munich area. Mm -hmm. uh, and I noticed that when they report on this story, they refuse to name either Schaefer or her brother. Really? They, they just refer to them as the man from Tutsing and the man from Tutsing's Canadian sister. And I assume that that's either a protocol or a law that says that you don't name these people and give them more publicity. You give them kind of martyr status amongst a certain group of people if you name them. Right. So the Munich press has really been playing this down. But the alt-right press has been playing it up. Uh, mm -hmm. They've had reporters in air quotes. They've had observers in the courtroom uh, filing blog posts about the martyrdom of Monica Schaefer. And, and I have to say, you know, by Canadian standards, she's been held in jail without bail since January, wow. uh, which is not something that would ever happen here to somebody who was charged with a hate crime. I mean, when uh, Jim Keegstra was charged with promoting hate in Canada, he certainly wasn't uh, incarcerated for long periods without bail. But the Germans do not mess around with this. You may remember that Ernst Zundel, uh, another mm -hmm. Canadian Holocaust denier, uh, was in fact uh, sent back to Germany, extradited, yeah. and the Germans convicted him for hate speech that had happened in Canada, although it had been distributed internationally. Okay. and. Her detention and, and her trial, which has been going on since earlier this month, um, has caught the attention of people in Canada. Um, belatedly, the, yes. Belatedly. Notably, most recently, the Ontario, Ontario Civil Liberties Association has taken up her cause and has written to the federal government urging them to step in and help her. Why do you suppose that they want to get involved in this international case? Well, I mean, civil libertarians are civil libertarians. And if you believe in free speech, you believe in free speech. Mm -hmm. In fact, when I asked the Canadian government, when I asked Global Affairs, and when I asked the consulate in Munich if they were providing Monica Schaefer with consular assistance, they gave me a very peculiar answer. They said, you know, they, they can't speak to any specific case 
but that they are providing consular assistance to a Canadian citizen in Munich, hmm. uh, which means yes. Uh, I mean, they won't say yes, but that's what they mean. So uh, when the Ontario Civil Liberties Union is asking for consular assistance, I'm pretty sure she's getting it, although it may be of a fairly, you know, uh, tacit or or passive nature. Uh, it, it is an interesting question because under Canadian law, as I say, there's no way that she would be, I think, uh, charged or convicted in a Canadian court. But once you enter a foreign country and you break the laws of that country, you are subject to the laws of that jurisdiction. And it's no secret why the German government is particularly uh, vigilant about policing hate speech that denies the Holocaust. We'll be right back. This is Dave Breckenridge, host of 10.3 Post Media's Canadian Current Affairs podcast. The name represents Canada's 10 provinces and three territories, and each episode takes a deeper look at one of the biggest stories in the country. Our show is powered by the work of journalists and newsrooms across Canada, so be sure to support your local paper. We're available wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Stitcher, and more. So be sure to subscribe and leave a review. We'd love to hear what you think. You can get me on Twitter, Breckenridge, Y-E-G, or dbreckenridge at postmedia.com. In your column earlier this month, you, you talked about kind of a conflict between the idea of free speech and what she is accused of doing not being as harmful as setting off a bomb, but her beliefs being fairly twisted and delusional and, and out of line with the Canadian mainstream. Now, how well, do you recognize... It's actually out of line with the Canadian mainstream. I mean, let's be clear. Yeah. It, isn't, it isn't just... Let me be very, very <laughs> clear. It is not just that Monica Schaefer doubts the details of the Holocaust. She says it didn't happen whatsoever. Oh, no, yeah. that's, not, that's not my point. Yeah. She says it didn't happen whatsoever. And she says there is a global Jewish conspiracy yeah. to make people believe that the Holocaust happened, that it was all a fake. She believes in what she calls the Jew world order. Mm -hmm. And she believes that Jews are engaged in a conspiracy of white genocide, that Jews are inciting uh, immigration from uh, non-white countries into Europe and to North America to wipe out the white race. So let me be really, really clear. This is not somebody who says, well, maybe they were only labor camps and people died of typhus. Although she said that as well. She says that too. <laughs> but this is part of of an entire construct of hate, yeah. of vicious, nasty. Uh, I mean, the things that she says about Jews and Jewish people are horrific. And I take this personally because my own family backstory is that my father is Jewish mm -hmm. and my mom is German and came here like the Schaefers as a refugee after the Second World War. My mother, like Monica Schaefer, was teased in school for being German and for having her hair in blonde pigtails. And, you know, after, you know, as a as a German immigrant in the 1950s, it could often be, you know, the, the kids would tease her and blame her for the war and call her a Nazi. Yeah. So, I mean, I understand that Monica Schaefer is conflicted. I also understand that you cannot erase the Holocaust and pretend it didn't happen just to make yourself feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. What we all have to do, Jews, Germans, Canadians, 
global citizens is recognize that this was a uniquely horrific event in human history, but not so unique that it couldn't happen again. And the reason that we say never forget isn't just that you should feel sorry for my Jewish relatives who were massacred by the Nazis. Mm -hmm. It isn't just that you should feel sorry for my German relatives who had to come here as refugees after the Nazis destroyed Germany. It's because the seeds of hate that grew into the Holocaust exist in the hearts of every human being. They're not special in the German genotype. We need to be vigilant against hate mongers, not just so that we remember the people who died in the Holocaust, but so that we remember to look for the symptoms of Nazism and fascism when we see them around us. Yeah. But you, then you go on in your column to say you, that you worry that uh, prosecuting such people only reinforces their persecution complex and their sense of martyr martyrdom. And I, I get the sense that there has been reaction to your column <laughs> that helps enforce that view that she is some kind of a political prisoner or a martyr or anything along yeah. those lines. You know, and I have to say, as a libertarian, am I wholly comfortable with the idea that, we're, that the Germans are holding a Canadian citizen in jail for six months, seven months without bail? You know, I think there's a huge danger of elevating her into this global martyr, especially in this age of social media where people from around the world can read very biased coverage of the trial from alt-right sites mm -hmm. that depict her as this innocent victim uh, when, in fact, however delusional you may think she is, she's not psychotic. She hasn't had a psychotic break. Uh, she's sane. She knows what she's saying. Whether she's willing to accept the hurtfulness of what she's saying is a different question. So, you know, I've, I've covered neo-Nazis and Holocaust deniers my entire career as a journalist. I cut my teeth as a, as a young reporter in Edmonton covering Jim Keegstra and Doug Christie. Mm -hmm. And I have learned that you cannot argue rationally with a Holocaust denier, someone who is in the grips of a conspiracy theory. Any evidence you show them, they just say, oh, well, see, that's proof of the conspiracy. <laughs> but I also, I never agreed with the decision to prosecute Keegstra in the first place. I think it gave him this bully pulpit and kept him in the public eye, spreading his noxious, toxic hate uh, for years longer than was necessary. I'm not sure what I think the right response is in Canada. It's not my place to judge what the German government is doing because I think unless you are a German citizen in 2018, you can't begin to understand how dangerous it is mm -hmm. to the social fabric of Germany to allow Holocaust deniers to have access to to media and have access to be able to spread this message. And how have people responded to the column that you wrote about Schaefer? I, I had two very interesting sorts of responses. I heard from a lot of people who knew her. A lot of people who, who really liked her, and they don't understand how the person that they admired and respected could, could become this person. One person who wrote to me said that her own father had been in the Canadian military and had helped, I'm, sure the, I'm not sure actually if it was Canadian, the British military, but he had helped to liberate one of the concentration camps. Mm -hmm. And that the scenes he saw when he liberated that camp haunted him the rest of his life, gave him PTSD. And she said, I told Monica my father's story. I told her that my father had personally witnessed what happened in those camps. And Monica turned around and said to me, well, but that was all fake. It was all a hoax. Wow. Uh, another person who wrote to me said that she was Jewish and had counted Monica Schaefer as one of her closest friends. And that, you know, she can't understand how 
this kind of hate could take over somebody's mind and blind them. And I had other people say to me, well, how is it possible that she went from being a left-wing, you know, green zealot sort of person to a right-wing zealot sort of person? And I think the answer to that is that if you're the sort of person who looks for simple black and white answers, uh, it's actually easier than you might think to oscillate from one extreme to the other rather than to accept that life is complicated and gray in the middle. Now, so that was, the most, to me, the most interesting response. Mm -hmm. And then it took a few days, and then the hate mail started coming, people calling me a vile Jewess, people asking if I went to the synagogue of Satan. I don't actually go to synagogue hardly ever, just like for second cousins bar mitzvahs, uh, just in case you were wondering. Uh, But, uh, you know, that's really nothing new. Mm -hmm. What I thought was fascinating was that very little hateful response came into me on social media. There were a couple of Facebook posts I had to block, maybe one or two tweets. But I'm sort of cheered up that most of the ugly stuff came via email. And so... I suspect from slightly older mm-hmm. people. Uh, some of it was not just uh, apologia for Hitler, but praise for Hitler that wouldn't have been out of place in the producers. I mean, you, the people might as well have been doing a goose-stepping <laughs> chorus line of springtime for Hitler, talking about what a great man Hitler is, so misunderstood. I mean, it wasn't just that they were denying the Holocaust. They were denying, uh, you know, denying the very idea that Nazis were not nice people. Wow. And, you know... Again, I want to make it really, really clear. This isn't a debate about historiography. Mm -hmm. This isn't a discussion of which camps were liberated by the Red Army and which camps were liberated by the Americans and which camps, you know, were internment camps and which camps were death camps. I mean, I'm not interested in dancing on the heads of pins. That is not what these people are talking about. Mm -hmm. These people are talking about not just what happened in the past, but their uh, their sustained delusional belief that the Jews are out to get you. And they call it and, the... And really, yeah. I have to tell you, I never get invited to those meetings. <laughs> and they, they call it, you know, the six million lie or the biggest and most... The holohoax. The holohoax. The, the most pernicious, what... persistent lie in all of history, as, as Schaefer calls it, which is... You know, I mean, it is... It's hard to wrap your head around no, that. I mean, it is one of the most well-documented yeah. incidents in human history. I don't know, Dave, if you remember, because you're a theater person as I am. Uh, the great... Calgary playwright Blake Brooker with One Yellow Rabbit uh, wrote a fantastic play about Jim Keekstra uh, uh, called Ilsa, Queen of the Nazi Love Camp. And the premise was that these two old Nazis came to Jim Keekstra and said, how dare you deny the Holocaust? It was the proudest moment of our lives. (laughs) And and the fact is that the Germans meticulously recorded the Holocaust. We have the photographs. We have the film. We have the ledgers. We have the inventories of the things that were taken from people including, you know, their fillings out of their teeth. There is no better documented event in human history. And if I can't convince you that the Holocaust happened, I'm not interested in having a conversation with you because mm-hmm. it, it is of no value to anyone. So where do things go next for Monica Schaefer? The trial is still ongoing? The trial is still ongoing. It was originally scheduled to run uh, another week in July. And when I uh, had correspondence in my bad high school German, uh, thank you, Google Translate, uh, with the with the Justice Department in Munich, uh, I was told that they've extended it and they've sort of set aside days to run the trial into August. I don't think that necessarily means that the trial will run into August. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how much more evidence there can be to hear. Um, but we'll have to see. I mean, her her sentence can be anywhere from 
you know, a fairly pedestrian fine to uh, incarceration. I mean, she could also just get time served for the time that she's already been in. I think the maximum sentence is three years. Yeah. Uh, Zundel, I think, got a longer sentence, but I think in his case, there were so many more incidences of of hate speech that that might have been why. You know, I I suspect that having spent most of her life in Canada, she might have had a somewhat exaggerated and romanticized idea of you know, what life in Germany was going to be like. I don't imagine that spending time in a German prison has been quite what she expected. Probably not. Well, uh, Paula Simons, thank you. Thank you very much, Dave. Here's what else is happening this week. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau shuffled his cabinet Wednesday, making some changes on major files. Some key changes include former Toronto Police Chief Bill Blair, who was appointed Minister of Border Security and Organized Crime Reduction. Edmonton MP Amarjeet Sohi moves from infrastructure and communities to natural resources, taking the tricky Trans Mountain Pipeline file from Jim Carr, who moves to international trade diversification. And Melanie Jolie is out as Heritage Minister, moving to tourism, official languages, and La Francophonie. It's seen as a move to bolster the Trudeau government in advance of the 2019 election. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama and Carrie Ann Sprawl. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.